What's up? What's up, everybody? It is a Silver Screen and Roll podcast day, but it, uh, unlike any of our other podcasts that are published in the morning, this is a little later in the day, uh, and it's because uh, the day we were recording this, Thursday, was the NBA trade deadline, uh, and the Lakers didn't do anything. I think that was the expectation going into the deadline, uh, but it is a little surprising not to see the Lakers make a trade like i think the last time they didn't make a trade was 2016 when mitch kupchak was still the gm so it's been a while sabrina which who who's joining me today by the way <laughs> i'm really bad at, at, at introducing people my bad well as you pointed out this is the first time in the rob Palinka era that the lakers have not made a deadline trade and uh, kind of brought me back to 2017 when he was brought on you know two days before the deadline similar to what the the knicks did this year right uh, when they made that lou williams trade for Corey Brewer, which in hindsight, I don't think we got enough value for Lou Williams. <laughs> yeah, Lou Will is very good. Speaking of yeah. Lou Will, uh, the Clippers on the like alternatively were very active at the trade deadline. Uh, they acquired Marcus Morris, who the Lakers were targeting. Um, and I wanted Marcus Morris, I think, as bad as anybody did for no other reason than to have a big another big forward on the team because. I've harped on this all year long and I've only felt vindicated every game we've played teams with like big forwards, whether it's the Bucks or the Clippers um, or even the Celtics. Yeah. Or the Celtics uh, or the Sixers. <laughs> the list goes on. Um, but what the Knicks were reportedly asking for, according to Ramona Shelburne of ESPN uh, was Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma and a pair of second round picks, which I don't know if that makes them better like i think danny green is the one player on the team that can defend like those big forward types other than lebron and ad um and marcus morris for all he offers offensively is is not that guy like honestly and you may feel the same way about maurice harkless's fit with the clippers i think defensively harkless brought more than morris is going to to the table and honestly, I think I I thought that's all the Clippers needed was was a Mo Harkless, but it seems they felt their bench, or I guess I well, a report came out that he's going to be in the starting lineup, but I guess their answer was more offense, which surprised me. Right. So I'm going to take this from the Lakers' perspective first. Uh, it didn't really seem like there was a reasonable way for the Lakers to get better without. Actually, no, I didn't seem like there was a reasonable way for the Lakers to get better. <laughs> Unless they did that deal that Sacramento reported where they traded Kuz for Bielitsa and a pick. Yeah. Because as much as I like Kuz, I think Bielitsa offers a little bit something extra just in terms of being like an actual big as opposed to Kuz, who's more of a 3-4. And a floor um, spacer. Exactly. And in a way that Kuz, you know, is theoretically a floor spacer because people still think that he can shoot because he did shoot 36 to 38% in his rookie season. Yeah. Hasn't quite approached that since, although he's excellent from the corners. Let's not, you know, there, we have more sophisticated ways of looking at this. Kuz is terrible yeah. above the break, but he can shoot from the corners. Yeah. So it didn't seem like there was a reasonable way for the Lakers to get better at this deadline. And that being it, said, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure the Clippers got better either. <laughs> because <laughs> And that, that's a fair argument. I, yeah. I, in the article I published at silverscreenandroll.com, um, on the Marcus Morris trade, the real reason the Clippers came out on top of this trade was because they kept Marcus Morris away from the Lakers. Like that's the biggest victory for them on paper. And like in the grand scheme of things for the Clippers, I don't know how, how much better Marcus Morris makes them. 
But really, like, is keeping Marcus Morris away from the Lakers a win? Because like you and I just discussed, I don't think there's a way to get Marcus Morris on the Lakers without making the team meaningfully worse in some yeah. other respect, right? Like, either you're giving up Danny Green, who, regardless of what other people say, because Danny Green goes through these hot and cold streaks, he's the third best player on the Lakers. He's the third most important player on the Lakers. There's no getting yeah. around that. Mm-hmm. And he's the only player on the Lakers, including LeBron James, who has shown any modicum of ability to stop Kawhi Leonard for stretches at times. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the Anthony Davis, you know, wing defense thing is an entirely other thing to sort through. But mm-hmm. Danny Green is far too important to this team to give up, especially for a guy like Marcus Morris, who's inconsistent on defense at best, and whose only really good defensive season came in Boston, where their system just has a way of making guys look a lot better than they actually are individually. Cough, right. cough, Avery Bradley. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, the Clippers, you know, kept Marcus Morris away from the Lakers. whoop de doo Yeah. I guess the theory is within their starting lineup that nobody guards Mo Harkless because he's not really regarded as a shooter. Portland went through the same problem last season. I understand that there's, you know, only so many times when you can throw the ball to Mo Harkless in the corner and he demurs from taking a three point shot because he doesn't feel comfortable taking one. And it's not because he has that contract bonus, you know, that pays him extra if he shoots about 35% (laughs) from the three point line. Uh, so I get why they wanted to upgrade that. I mean, Mo Harkless's best skill at this point is that he's a fantastic wing defender. The Clippers don't really need that because they have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You know, yeah. that wing defense thing is kind of covered. Patrick Beverly, I think, also functions more as a wing defender these days than he does as an actual guard defender. Mm-hmm. So they're covered in that respect. They didn't need what Mo Harkless brought. He was great early in the season when they were dealing with injuries to Paul George and you know, Kawhi Leonard's load management, he prevented them from having to overtax those two superstars. Great. Uh, they didn't, I guess, need what Mohawkless provides at this point. Billy Rod and Marcus Morris. Uh, I'm personally of the belief that team chemistry is a very finicky thing. And I don't know how introducing a guy like Marcus Morris helps <laughs> in that respect. Yeah. And this is not just because of the ridiculously misogynistic comments he made last week. <laughs> not just because. It's so funny that you bring up the misogyny because it feels like every player the Lakers were linked to this season, like Derrick Rose, Marcus Morris, Darren like Collison, the cream of the crop, Darren Collison. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, it's just uh, be better, man. Like, come yes. on. That, Thank that's, you. <laughs> that's the crux of it. But um, yeah, I Marcus Morris is good. For what he is, he he averaged 19 points per game uh, with the Knicks this season. But I mean, it's the Knicks, uh, and sure. I, I don't know if, if he'll play that big of a role uh, with the Clippers with with how much firepower they already have. And honestly, forgive me if this is a hot take, but I I don't I don't see the reason for them to start him like over somebody like Landry Shamit or yeah. I mean, at the risk of turning this into a Clipper spot, which is fine because I have you know <laughs> plenty of Clipper stuff to dive into. Uh, they were starting Harkless, so it makes sense to just start Morris to keep that second unit intact. I get that. Yeah. Um, they run a lot of the same actions for Landry that they run for Paul George. So those guys can be a little bit duplicitous in the starting lineup when Kawhi Leonard's doing a lot of the ball handling. I get that. Uh, I think the idea with Marcus Morris is that he's a guy who they can throw into their closing five and not be terribly small anymore. Because their favorite closing five is like some combination of Lou, Trez, Kawhi, PG, and then a fifth guy who's often been Patrick Beverly or Landry Shamit. Good players, small players. Yeah. You know? 
Marcus Morris gives you a little bit more beef, uh, rebounds the ball better. Had a great game in Los Angeles against the Clippers earlier in the season. I think he scored his career high, 37 points, if I want to say. Um, so, you know, one of those audition games really yeah. <laughs> seemed to work out well for Marcus Morris. The thing that I worry about is, and I, I would have worried about this if he had come on to the Lakers too. He spent a whole season in New York being the guy, having crunch time plays drawn up for him, or at the very least the ball being put into his hands and him deciding what to do. I think it takes a certain level of adjustment to go from that into this environment. Yeah. I'm not saying he's not capable of that because obviously he's been on successful teams before. You know, those Celtics made, I want to say, an Eastern Conference Finals run when he was on the team, but it's hard to keep track of all of the Morrises and their various <laughs> stops around the league, to be perfectly honest. Um, but yeah, uh, I think he's a good player. Uh, I, I can see why the Clippers would do it. They had literally just these two assets burning a hole in their pocket. Like right. they couldn't use their 2020 pick later. They couldn't use more Harkless's expiring contract later. They don't particularly seem to care for Jerome Robinson. So, you know, three things that weren't doing them a whole lot of good. Oh, and one Detroit second rounder. Um, so four things that weren't doing them a whole lot of good. <laughs> and they and- find a guy who, you know, if Doc Rivers trusts him, then yeah, this is, this is a good fit. Yeah, and that and that was ultimately um, my hunch when the when the news that the Lakers and the Clippers were in a, a bidding war for Marcus Morris, it's that the Clippers can trade their first round pick, and the Lakers can't. Like they can stack contracts and assets, and the Lakers can't. If the Lakers do stack contracts, it's going to be Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma. Like theoretically, they could have shipped over Kyle Kuzma, Avery Bradley, and Demarcus Cousins. But, I mean, three-for-one trades are really hard. Um, and, and and that was the case for literally every player the Lakers are going to be linked to. It was Kyle Kuzma and two other contracts. And those those trades, unless you get a third team involved, they're just hard to complete. Uh, which, it sounds silly in hindsight because you had that ridiculous four-team, 12-player trade on the like first week uh or the last week of of the trade deadline i should say um yeah i mean so, i think that's the difference right like the lakers wanted to keep kyle kuzma the clippers didn't have any attachment to those other guys right? yeah what do you think about that what do you think about them keeping kuz around okay so i know you've been you know talking on slack or maybe even twitter this week about how you were fairly certain the lakers are going to move alex caruso at this deadline <laughs> because um there's a there's a lot of point guards on this roster there are a lot of players who are angling for guard minutes. And honestly, I would not have been opposed to the Lakers doing some sort of consolidation trade, you know, just because I think you're only going to need to play three of the five guys they play during the playoffs, yeah. those one and two spots. And if you potentially bring in Darren Collison, that's six guards, you know, angling for spots at the one and two. Danny Green can bump up to the three, but the other guys cannot. Yeah. Let's be clear. It's, it's ridiculous. Not yeah. a small forward. Maybe, <laughs> maybe against like Will Barton or something. I'm willing to entertain it. But, but Kawhi, like right. the, the two <laughs> games they played Kawhi and they put KCP on him. It was mm-hmm. barbecue chicken. It was not KCP's fault. KCP got killed the mm-hmm. first game because Vogel put him on on Kawhi. But it's like there's nothing you can do. I'm and sorry. His reputation took a hit for like a good six weeks because yeah. of that one game against Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> Um, granted, like the wedgie, you know, and the airball layup had some stuff, but whatever. It's mostly yeah. those like 20 minutes against Kawhi Leonard that killed his reputation for six weeks. Right. Um, but yeah, so like the Lakers have six guards, or I'm sorry, five guards, potentially six. We're going to be angling for time in the playoffs. That's too many guys to give minutes to. It 
literally is. And so I, yeah. I could have seen them making a move to, you know, eliminate some of that depth, but I was, that's why, I mean, I was like, I was a little worried that they were going to trade one of the young guys. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be Caruso just because I wasn't sure what his value is around the league. I feel like um, it's kind of like, there's kind of been a mockery made of his name just because of the recent all-star balloting and stuff. And just, the fact that LeBron calls him goat and like I, I just really wasn't sure how the rest of the league valued him, especially since it seemed like it took the Lakers so long to figure out what they had in their own system. Yeah. You know? But then we get these uh reports that like the player that has been most inquired about on the Lakers is Alex Caruso, just Caruso, Caruso, Caruso. And I don't know if that's just other teams thought they could swipe him from the Lakers because <laughs> they have a habit of devaluing their own young players. Um, or maybe the secret's out, right? People realize this is a impactful player who could be had because like we said, there are a lot of guards on the Lakers roster. Yeah. I honestly, I think it's more teams going down the list of, of the best players on the Lakers and saying, all right, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are untouchable. Third best player on the team, Alex Caruso. Let's see what we can do. Yes. <laughs> um, but no, I did think I, there was a real chance they were going to trade Kuzma. Oh, so did I, I, yeah. I, as Kuzma, the last three games, which I feel like, I start a sentence like that every other podcast. Like <laughs> Kuzma's starting to figure it out. The last three games, he's looked sharp. Um, but the thing that's really stood out to me about Kuzma in the last three games are the fact that when he's not scoring, he's just playing hard. And I think that's a valuable skill set, even if it's not a skill set. And, yeah, and it's a valuable hard is a ball- skill. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a valuable it's it's a valuable thing to have on your team. Uh, in the regular season, but especially the postseason, somebody you know that's going to give you, you know, 25, 30 minutes a night just playing hard. And I, I, you know, I think him being a stretch four in LeBron James and Anthony Davis lineups is, is just not working. Like at that point, you might as well just play Jared Dudley with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, I like them using Kuzma as a ball handler. I understand he has a lot of room to grow in that respect, but I think he's shown flashes and um, I'd like to see them do that more. Uh, But uh, I mean, ultimately you look at Kuzma's ceiling, which is in my opinion, somebody that's a good isolation scorer, a spark plug off the bench, Um, similar to honestly what Derek Rose is to the Detroit Pistons, just somebody you hand the keys to the offense as soon as he gets in the game and, and let him let them go out. Um with Rondo rostered, I, I just that's not that's not gonna happen. And that is my biggest fear with Darren Collison too, or any guard they bring on the roster, is with the type of pool Rondo has in that locker room, Darren Collison and Rondo are gonna be playing minutes in the backcourt off the bench together, and Caruso's minutes are gonna get eaten into. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've made my feelings on this very clear that I think the Lakers should just not sign Avery Bradley. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, especially because, like, uh, what was I going to say? Like, they, they could have, I think Ben Rosales is the one to bring this up a lot, but they could have just, you know, used that mid-level on, or that room exception on someone like Justin Holiday at the end of free agency, you know, a, like a, a real wing-sized player. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that he's a big wing. I don't think he probably. I don't think he can guard Kawhi Leonard. He might be able to guard Paul George, maybe. Yeah. But um, his wingspan again, is big, though. I think yeah, he's, like, he's a he's a bigger guy. At least you yeah. can put some size on somebody. You know, uh-huh. Kentavious Caldwell Pope doesn't have size. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do worry that Caruso is going to be the first one to suffer if 
minutes become an issue. But like, I, I just think Kyle Kuzma has had a hard time figuring out his place on this Lakers roster this year. And that's Absolutely. to be expected. He didn't play during training camp or preseason. Really. He's had been in and out of the lineup a little bit, you know, with injuries and like when he's been hot, it's been when, you know, Anthony Davis has been hurt, you know, so continuity is something that's been hard to come by for him. And I just think that introducing another element onto this Laker roster, like, do we have to go through that continuity, like experiment again for another 30 games? Yeah. I feel like Kuzma is getting better at figuring out what it is that's being asked of him, you know? And if the one thing that we can take away is that he has to play hard all the time, that's fine. I think yeah. he does that very well. So I just, I don't think that any of the players on the market were that interesting to where I would sacrifice the chemistry and the continuity that the Lakers have built up over these first 50 games. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't think Marcus Morris is that much better than like what Kyle Kuzma's bringing, especially if you have to bring in Danny Green into that trade. I don't think that, uh, I don't know who else were they rumored to be looking at. Like there were no like fours or threes, right? Like Covington was an impossible get based on the asking price that Minnesota had, right? Yeah. Even like Davis Bertans in Washington is an impossible get. They were like, what, asking for two first rounders for him? That's, again, the Lakers don't have the ability to make these kinds of moves, right? Yeah. And there's something to be said after last year's deadline when the Lakers dangled literally every single player on the roster, not named LeBron James. Yeah. And that took a toll on the team. It absolutely did. There's no way that you can look at how the Lakers performed through late January and February and say that, oh, these guys were not affected by having their names constantly pop up in trade rumors. And this time, yeah, the Lakers shopped around Kyle Kuzma, but the dominant reporting that you saw at the end of it was that they were reluctant to move him, right? Yeah, and and, and I think as they should, because I I think the the jury on Kyle Kuzma a few weeks leading up to the trade deadline is get what you can for him, like kind of a Markel Fultz situation. If you get Jonathan Simmons, a heavily protected first round pick and a second round pick, you do it. Um, I don't think I was ever ready to go there, but I was uh, amongst the group that thought if Avery Bradley and Kyle Kuzma can get you, Avery Bradley, Kyle Kuzma, and like a second round pick can get you Robert Covington or a big wing defender, big wing defender, you absolutely do it. Because the, the thing that made me comfortable trading Kyle Kuzma is the fact that I think fours, are going to be easier to come by in the buyout market than a three will be. Like you, you think about the names that may hit the buyout market within the coming days. It's Marvin Williams, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, uh, Jeff Green's already a free agent. Again, not like awe-inspiring names. Not even inspiring, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> I well, I like Marvin Williams. I think he'd be helpful in in yeah, spot he minutes. Played meaningful basketball since like 2016. Okay. <laughs> well, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be like a crucial part of the rotation. But um, what I'm saying is like the Lakers would be in a better position to fill that hole, even with Jared Dudley on the team, the trade deadline passed and the Lakers still have that hole at the three spot behind LeBron James. Uh, And I think that's what I took away from this. The most is that even if the Clippers didn't improve by that much, the Lakers didn't either. And that perceived gap is still there and the Lakers haven't done much to close it. And, you know, unless J.R. Smith is the player he was two years ago and, and Darren like Coll- 2016 J.R. Smith <laughs> and, <laughs> and Darren Collison is, is 
like anywhere close to where he used to be. Um, that is the best case for the Lakers right now. And even then, you you brought this up um, earlier in the show about how many guards are on the roster. Even if the Lakers wave Troy Daniels, they'll have five people on the roster that purely play the point guard position as their primary position. You got Rondo, Avery Bradley, Rajon Rondo, Quinn Cook. Rondo twice. Okay. Well, I mean, I might as well with how many <laughs> minutes he plays. But Darren Collison, um, if, uh, did I already say Caruso? I don't think so. Okay. Well, those are your five. And then you got KCP and Danny Green to fill out your guard rotation. That's a lot of guards for a team with four forwards. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the idea is, is that I assume that Jared Dudley will be playing more during the postseason. I don't know oh. if that's a reasonable assumption because of the way that the roster has, you know, shaken out during this regular season thus far. Oh. I just feel like we've on, been on this like stealth load management plan for Jared Dudley. <laughs> I also feel like we've been on a stealth load management plan for Danny Green. Like his not, oh. minutes can easily get bumped up during the postseason. Yeah. 100%. So there are ways to like cut out the fat in this Lakers roster um, when the games start to matter a little bit more. Uh, and strangely like i have faith in frank vogel that he'll play the right guys i don't know if that's misguided faith or like just i want to be optimistic which is yeah. such a strange feeling for me to have <laughs> but um you know the, there there are guys on this team where obviously they could definitely use another wing defender that's there's oh, yeah. no denying that i also think you know the last time they played the clippers they almost had that game one you know it's not like there's in like a big gap between these two teams, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a gap, sure. You know, the Clippers have a 2-0 edge. They added another player who can put a body on LeBron James. Great. Um, that 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 gap doesn't scare me as much, I guess, as like it could. Maybe yeah. I'm mistaken. Maybe I'm just choosing to believe that Marcus Morris is going <laughs> to want a match in that locker room. But <laughs> uh, I, I just don't see where that wing defender was coming from, you know? Like yeah. that's that's the thing with me. Like obviously there's a hole, but like how were they supposed to fix it? That is a great question. Um, and I think that's where I find solace in in the lack of movement the Lakers made at the trade deadline. Because you do you, you look ahead to the postseason and as as great as it would have been for the Lakers to have a wing defender. LeBron James isn't going to be playing 32 minutes a night. Neither is Anthony Davis. Like those guys, there will be very few stretches where one of those guys aren't on the floor. Um, and the ro- rotation does get smaller. Um, but, and before I continue, I just want to say, I went to the Ruffles launch party with Anthony Davis. Like I want to say two weeks ago. I heard the Jared ships Dudley, were good. Yeah, they, they're very good. <laughs> Jared Dudley and Quinn Cook were there. And I swear, not that it's a competition, but Jared Dudley got asked for more pictures than Quinn Cook did. I just want to put that out there. I did, and that's not something I was expecting. Quinn Cook's a uh, uh, two-time or one-time NBA champion. He's a one-time just the one, NBA right? champion. Yeah. 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 But, but he is a NCAA champion, lest we forget. <laughs> well, see, and that's my thing is that I feel like at least. So to our generation, which is what most of that party was, Quinn Cook is the more notable name. But people just wanted to take pictures with Jared Dudley, maybe because he's 
the size of a basketball player. I think Quinn Cook's a generous six feet. So, um, but yeah. Definitely that was, also uh, a good talker. <laughs> that was my little tangent. I didn't get a chance to thank him uh, for reading the site because he started he started following Silver Screen and Roll when he was still with the Nets. I don't know if he had some inside track on where he was going to be playing next season, but um, the point is, yeah, that rotation is going to shrink. I do expect Jared Dudley to play more minutes. Um, and by the same token, I expect Kyle Kuzma to play more minutes at the three spot. Um, it's going to take some time, but with the pieces the Lakers have now, I think they have just enough to go the distance. Uh, the question is, are the Lakers at their best better than the Clippers and the Bucks at their best with, with how much depth they have? I don't know. I really don't. <laughs> uh, I think they could be. And the thing with the playoffs is like, you don't necessarily see teams at their best all the time. Right. Yeah. Like things happen. You just have to be ready to pounce when your window comes. And I, I think the Lakers are about as well suited as they could be given how they started the season. Um, I'm just, I'm very happy they didn't make a trade that was short-sighted. Even though I understand like LeBron James is 35 years old. This is maybe their best year to win a title. We don't know what's going to happen next season. Yeah. But like they gave up the pizza to watch for Mike Pascal last year. Like, let's not forget the real consequences of that action. Okay. They could have given up Kyle Kuzma for like Derrick Rose and that would have sucked. Yeah. It would have sucked hard. I, I'm, I, I, I think I'm in the minority just judging by my TL, but I think Derrick Rose would have been a disaster on the Lakers. Like, Especially at, point guards. Yeah, <laughs> at the expense of at the expense of Kyle Kuzma, especially another I, forward. <laughs> just crazy talk that um, that Derrick Rose was coming to the Lakers. But um, before we wrap things, one thing. Sorry. Uh, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. The one thing that did scare me about this trade deadline was uh, Miami clearing cap space for this summer. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> because I mean, we don't talk much about Anthony Davis being a free agent this offseason. and. Maybe it's because it's just there's not anything we can really do about it. And I think the Lakers are making a pretty decent pitch as to why he should stay. But coming into this day, there were like four or five teams with meaningful cap space to sign Anthony Davis this offseason. We're talking Charlotte, Atlanta, Memphis, you know, Cleveland. He's not going to any of those teams. Yeah. Now all of a sudden we have a contender. <laughs> the Miami Heat could potentially clear enough room to sign Anthony Davis. Oh, yeah. And I don't know about you, I Never discount Pat Riley. Oh, no. Especially not with the pitch he has to Anthony Davis. Oh, yeah. You see that guy standing next to you? (laughs) The players they have on that roster, like, timeline-wise, are more in line with with Anthony Davis' age. I mean, you got Bam, Jimmy, Tyler Hero, uh, Kendrick Nunn, another not, uh, (laughs) like, glowing locker room personality that does nothing for your culture. Um, yeah, Duncan yeah it, you know, some spacing. Uh, <laughs> it is. Yeah. The, the heat have a good pitch. I, I didn't know we were going to talk about this. Um, sorry. I didn't mean to bring it down. That. I was yeah. just saying general t- <laughs> you, trade deadline takeaways. You brought up I've been uh, about this all day. <laughs> <laughs> you brought up Zubots and Anthony Davis leaving within like two minutes of each other. Oh man. And I I'm forgot. trying to hold it all together right now. Um, 
I'll forego bringing up the third thing. <laughs> oh, no, 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 please do. No, I'm curious. <laughs> no, I'm not do it. Is it is it Shri? Because if it is, um, go ahead. Just say Rising it. star, Sphi Mikhailuk. <laughs> oh, that is. My man. I mean, I saw it from the beginning. I saw him take one three-pointer at, at Summer League and make it, and I thought, this kid's the one. Second coming of Matt Thomas. <laughs> uh, before we wrap things up, um, what do you expect from the Lakers within the next two weeks? Like, if you could, if you could bet your money on them making one signing, who would you say it is? I think they're going to get Darren Collison. I think it's nice that they're looking into J.R. Smith because he might not be as big of a wing defender as you would hope for. I still think you can put him on Paul George and be happy with that. Yeah, so do um, I. And I, I mean, who are you putting on Kawhi Leonard that you're going to be happy with? Like, there's nobody. <laughs> let's let's be real; it's not happening. Paul yeah. George is the guy you put on Kawhi Leonard. That's it. <laughs> Um, I think Ben Rosales uh, said it on Twitter earlier today, but if they swap out Tyler Tyler Daniels or Troy Daniels uh, for um, for Jr. Smith, I think that that's a that's a high risk low or low low risk high reward move there because right. Troy Daniels right. hasn't been great this season. Yeah, he's been, he's been fine. You know, had one nice game against Utah. He's active. On defense, like he runs around and puts his arms up, but like him and Quinn Cook have been I, DNP CDs for most I of the season. I couldn't help but notice about Troy Daniels. You remember two years ago when LeBron was in Cleveland and he hits that game winner the night before the trade deadline and he deliberately issues certain teammates to celebrate with and he only celebrates with the guys who happen to be there the next day after the <laughs> deadline has gone past. Um, so LeBron funny. James hit that three against San Antonio the other day and he falls down and they call timeout and all the Lakers mob to him and they get this great picture of the guys picking him up off the floor and Troy Daniels comments on Instagram, how did I get cropped out? Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, Troy, boy, I, might get I, have, cropped out. I have a, I have a bad news for you. It might, it might be more than a picture you're cropped out of. <laughs> um, well, this was a uh, eye opening therapeutic, I'd say, cause I'm still so worried about the Clippers and the Bucks. The biggest thing for me is like they just need to play the Clippers again. I I understand it's just the regular season, but those matchups matter and I want to see them win one, just yes. one against them. They can go one and three in the season series. Um but I like to see them at least go yeah. one. So one and three sounds so much better than 0 and two. <laughs> uh Sabrina, thank you so much for joining me and I hope uh, we speak again soon. Sounds good.